Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs weekly podcast. Every week we'll provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday service. See, maybe my, my mic wasn't on. Is it on? Okay. How's everybody doing this morning? No! All right, that's better. Need some energy in here this morning. I'm so glad that you guys are here this morning. My name is Neil Hancock. I am the student and family pastor here at Harvest Springs, and I will be bringing a message not just this Sunday, but the next two Sundays after this. We're going to do a series, so I'm excited to be here with you this morning. I usually get to talk to kids and students a lot and sometimes volunteers. That's a, always a pleasure and an honor to be able to bring God's Word, and so I hope that we can do that this morning and that it's not just my words, but I pray that it's God's words that speaks and pierces our hearts and our minds this morning. So with that, I have a question. How many of you remember or know what a dictionary is? You guys remember that? Actual dictionaries? I'm talking about like the actual thick Webster's dictionary. You know what I'm talking about? Not dictionary.com or Google like these two over here. That's all they know. They don't know anything about a dictionary. They're not even looking at me. They're like, oh, okay. So, well, what's a dictionary? Well, a dictionary is this book where we would go and we would look to find out what the definition of words are that we may or may not know. Like this word here, we'll put it up on the screen. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Kakorafiophobia. Kakorafiophobia is the, the meaning of it is the fear of failure. But this word is kind of weird just because just trying to spell this word will induce that very fear. Imagine if this was the last word you had to spell at a spelling bee in order to win and then you misspelled it, right? You would go for the rest of your life probably having that fear for the rest of your life, this fear of failure, seriously. But see, if a dictionary is where we go to find out Uh, definitions of crazy words like kakorafiophobia. Let's say that together. Say kakorafiophobia. Yeah, whatever. It sounds like that a little bit. I think you did a good job. But Matt, if the dictionary is where we go to find out a definition of words like this, where do we go to find out the definition of who we are? Where do we go to find out the definition of who we are? Well, some of us go here. Right? You're like this. Boom. Ha <laughs> ha. I like, I'm kind of crazy like that. Wow. Look at that. Uh, I get distracted easier. That's why it's always weird having, you know, a student guy up here. But uh, some of us go here. We go here and we try to find out what the definition of ourselves and we look in the mirror. And some of us will go here. Right? We'll look to, our, our, to the internet or to social media, Twitter, or Instagram, or Facebook. We're trying to find out who we are, or we look at the, the feed and we see the comments that people lead, how many likes we get. We try to find out who we are and, and how we're defined by that. And some of us, maybe we go to an Enneagram test. Let me know what that is. Some of you are like, what? What's that? An Enneagram test or a Myers-Briggs or a DISC test. It's, it's like a, a personality profile test. Some of us go there to find out a definition of who we are. And some of us go to what we do for a living or what we do to find out who we are and find out a definition of who 
we are. I mean, there's nothing wrong with these things generally. But, because you know what? Trust me. Y'all want me to look in the mirror before I leave the house. That's a scary sight if I don't do that. Some of you said amen. All right? But there is some value in talking to others and receiving feedback from them and and finding out what they think and and some of their feedback to you. There's some value in that. There's some value in, in taking one of these Uh, personality profile tests and finding out what it has to say about you. There's some value in that as well. But here's the key. What I look like doesn't define me. What people say about me, no matter who it is, whether that be my, my parents, myself, my spouse, my boss, That doesn't define me. The fact that I am a number seven on the Enneagram test, and some of you are like, yep, I knew it. The fact that I'm a number seven on the Enneagram test, that doesn't define me. What I do for a living doesn't define me. And man, that could be a tough one. That could be a hard one to swallow sometimes, especially I think for guys. I know that if you spend a lot of time around a group of guys that are maybe meeting for the first time or they're spending some time together, they haven't seen each other ever or in a while, and they're, they're talking and they're trying to find out more information about the person or they're trying to find out who they are. If you spend a time talking, you'll hear this phrase come up. So, what do you do? How many of you have heard that phrase before? How many of you ever said that phrase before? Right, that, that just comes up and it comes up. So what do you do? A, a quick story about my life is about 15 years ago, I was a stay-at-home dad. And I had, I had had other careers prior to that. I had been in, in the banking industry for a, a long time. I had worked my way up to being a branch manager. And I had done a lot of work and put a lot of school and other things into it to be that and to make myself a, uh, into that branch manager and to work my way up to that, that pay grade, that, that kind of status level, so to speak. And I had done that. I, I had spent time uh, with other jobs as well. And I had also spent time in ministry before traveling the country, speaking at different churches and schools and other places like that. I had done a lot of different things. And so now I had become a stay-at-home father. And for a lot of times, when I was that stay-at-home father, I began to uh, catch myself kind of shrinking back when someone would ask me, what do you do? And I felt like, almost like I felt less than because, well, stay-at-home dad. That's what I would do a lot of times because I felt like that was somehow less than them no matter what career they might be. Until one day, God kind of slapped me in the face a little bit with that. I went to this retreat, and it was, it was a couple's retreat, so to speak, but the men went one weekend, and the women went the other weekend, so I'm not sure how that works, but you know, it was a couple's retreat. But what, how, it worked was, how it worked was the men were learning something that they needed to learn together, and the women were learning something, then we came in together afterwards. But on that men's retreat, we got there, and we get to 
to the very beginning of it, and we're all all the guys are kind of filing in, and everybody's everybody's there that's going to be there, and they kind of have us do this icebreaker, and they have us sit at this table, and we're sitting across from the person uh, that's that's across from us, and we're supposed to the icebreaker was we're supposed to learn about that person, and then we were going to be the ones that are going to stand up and introduce that person to everyone else, and so sitting across from me is this six foot five dude, huge like covered in tats, long hair, like just like beautiful long hair and like covered in tats, a leather vest. And I'm just like, oh, this guy's intimidating just looking at him. I don't remember his name, but I do remember this part of what happened is I started to learn more about him and I learned what he did for a living. And then I learned that he had been a part of a biker gang. And then God got a hold of him, and he committed his life to Christ. And now he was uh, doing biker ministry. and He was traveling all around, ministering to different people in prisons and other bikers and things like that. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. So I got up, and I, well, first I told him about me, because of course he asked me, and I, I told him I was a stay-at-home dad, and I told him about that. I told him about not only was I a stay-at-home dad taking care of my daughter, who at the time was very young, and my, and, my, and my son, who was really, really young, just been born, and I was taking care of him, and I was also uh, doing ministry at the time as well in a lead volunteer role, and I talked about that as well, the things I was doing there, and I just shared that with him. And then it came time, and I stood up, and I introduced him, and I, I said, this was cool, this, this, this is my friend so-and-so, and this is what's cool about him, and he does this great ministry and all these different things, and, and then it was time for him to stand up and introduce me. And he stood up, and this big biker dude goes, this is my friend Neil. And he just begins to weep. I'm like, what in the world did I say to make this dude cry? This is weird. I'm like freaking out, and I'm like sitting there. I'm like, oh, man, what is he going to say? And he begins to weep, and he says, this is my friend Neil, and he gets to do something that I wish that I could do. That I wish, he goes, I think maybe all of us men in here wish that we could do. He gets to stay at home. He gets to raise his son. He's pointing his son towards Christ. And not only that, but he's also pointing these other kids towards Christ. And he's, he's using the gifts that God's given him to do this. And I was like, okay, God, stop punching me. All right? I was like, man, okay, God, just, I, I get it. I get it. See, because I wasn't less than because I was a stay-at-home dad. That did not and does not define me. Because the only definition that means anything over our lives is the Father's definition. And that's what we're going to be talking about over these next few weeks. What does His definition say we are? We should be finding our identity, finding out who we are from the words of our Father. Some of us spend several minutes a day, maybe for some of you, even hours, looking here to find out who you are. Or some of us, in some cases, may spend all that time looking here to find out who you are. But here's the deal, is that in the midst of some of us Looking in, our, looking in the mirror or looking to social media or looking to what other people say about you and, and think about you. 
We spend all that time looking there to find out who we are. But the fact is, is that many of us spend hardly ever any time looking here to find out who we are. And over the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time in God's Word. We're going to be looking and and analyzing what are the words of our Father say we are? Who does He say that we are? And we're going to look at three different things that His definition says we are. And the first one is this. His definition says, I am a new creation in Christ. His definition says, says, I am a new creation in Christ. I want you to look at the person next to you and I want you to say this. Says His definition says, I am a new creation in Christ. All right, that was pretty good, but it didn't sound like you had much confidence there. So hopefully, by the end of today, we can have a little more confidence when we say those words. We're going to be checking out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if you want to turn there with me, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I'll be reading from the NIV translation. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We'll have it up on the screen to follow along as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The old has gone. The new is here. A lot of times we hear that word a lot this time of year, right? It's January still. People are still saying Happy New Year because I think, I don't know what the little, how long you can still keep saying, excuse me, Happy New Year, but maybe some point by February we won't say it anymore. But there's that new, right? That's that new. It's a new year. We hear this. We hear the words new you. We hear this phrase, be the new you that you want to be. We hear that phrase all the time this time of year. In fact, there's actually this other phrase that gets said a lot. And to be honest, if I'm being quite honest, I really hate this phrase. And I've said it myself. So I've been mad at myself when I say this phrase as well. And perhaps you've heard it. It's, it's, it's usually just two words and it's just simply, do you. You guys heard that before? It's usually a phrase, it's usually a phrase that gives us permission to be different. I mean, it's like this. Sometimes it's like, oh, you're going to wear that? I mean, I wouldn't, but uh, hey, you do you, right? Or, or we, hear, we hear that phrase used like this, hey, hey man, uh, hey girl, don't listen to what they have to say. You do you. We hear that phrase all the time. This do you phrase is all about being real and being your authentic self. But here's the problem though. I think too much in our culture, we use authenticity as an excuse for our immaturity. None of us here, with some exceptions, I know there's some babies in here. I know there's maybe some other people with maybe certain medical conditions or something like that. So I have to kind of say, clarify that I can't say just none of us here because maybe there's some special circumstances. But for the most part, none of us here in this room today 
have all our food smashed up for us and then spoon-fed to us. But yet, at one point in our lives, that was the only way that we could eat. So, should we just do you and go back to being fed that way? We've almost elevated authenticity to the point of ultimate authority in our lives. And, and we, we, we do that to give ourselves this permission to not make progress in certain areas of our lives. Kind of like this, like something like, oh, I'm sorry. I know he can be offensive, but that's just Neil being Neil. That's just who he is. Is it? Or, or am I being my authentic self as an excuse not to grow? God's word should be the ultimate authority in our lives. I use the over top example of us not being able, we couldn't chew our food or, or feed ourselves. And yet, some people still come to church and they say something like this. And I've actually said this exact phrase before too. And we say something, I just want to be fed. And I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that because Jesus himself did tell Peter, he said, feed my sheep. And we can come to church and we can sit here and we can listen to God's word and we can be fed by his word. But here's the point. We have to chew. We have to do. We have to do it. The word of God, and I want you guys to stay with me here because I know, especially y'all that know me, you know I get kind of crazy and I have these crazy ideas and I sometimes go off on these weird things. But I want you to stay with me for a second because I believe that God gave me this example when I was going through this and I was studying for this. And it's a, kind of a weird example, I'll admit. But I feel like he that was saying the word of God is kind of like sunscreen. You're like, what? But here, listen, it's like sunscreen. The value is in the application. See, I, I buy sunscreen. I buy lots of sunscreen every summer. I mean, look at me. I am white, right? I am super white. So I need sunscreen. But here's the deal. I often don't apply it. And so then people come up to me when I'm red as a lobster they're like, hey, man, did you get sunscreen? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, why are you burnt? And I'm like, because I didn't apply it. Hmm. We're going to look at James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And James chapter 1, 22 through 25 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We can't just read God's Word or listen to God's Word and not do what it says. We have to obey it. We have to apply it to our lives. The Bible says if we don't do that, that's foolish. Another reason that I very much dislike the phrase, do you, is because it implies that you know you, and you don't. Not really. See, do you, which me? The me that I only show on social media? The, the me that I only show when I want to get my way? Morning me? Y'all ever seen the Incredible Hulk? Like when he says, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Y'all don't want to see morning me. Morning me is not the me that I want to take with me to the week ahead of me. I heard someone say this one time. They said, I don't wake up every morning and say, good morning, Lord. I wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. But seriously, in the morning, my breath stinks and so does my attitude. I don't just need to brush my teeth. I need to brush my attitude too. And if I don't do that, then it's not just going to affect me, but it's going to probably affect the people around me that day as well. But here's what I'm learning as I get older and as I spend more and more time in His Word. I'm learning that the awareness of where I start doesn't mean that has to be where it ends. It doesn't define me. And I can't use authenticity as a permission to sin. I can't just wake up and say, well, that's just who I am. I am not a morning person. I put on my shirt that says, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. I can't just say that. I can't just try to justify my actions and that I'm a morning person. I can't just try to justify that and just try saying, I'm just being real. Let's look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 again. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The old is gone. The new is here. If I belong to God, I need to be putting off the old self. I'll say that again. If I belong to God, I need to be putting off the old self. I have to confess that sometimes I wear the same pair of jeans several times before washing them. 
Don't judge me. You know you do it too. Here's the deal. Sometimes though, I've actually worn the same pair of jeans for like a week in a row without washing them just every day. I know that's nasty. All the stuff I'm wiping on it and everything. But here's the deal. Can you imagine? Imagine if if every morning I woke up and I put on the same dirty pair of jeans, the same dirty shirt, the same dirty socks and underwear, and I tried to go through my day each and every day like that. Well, one, that'd be gross. And two, it will probably start to really stink, like bad. Yes, some of us get up every day, and we put on the same dirty self each and every day. We wonder why our attitude stinks, and why nothing ever changes, and everything seems to stay the same, and we just say, well, that's just me. That's who I am. No, it isn't. That isn't who you were created to be. That isn't what the Father's definition says you are. Let's look in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read a few different verses. We're going to read from starting in chapter 14, and we're going to read through verse 24. It says this, Then we will no longer be infants. Another translation says we will, the immaturity. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love, each part doing its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. This is Paul speaking. And Paul's, this is his letter to the church in Ephesus. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it. I don't know about you, but if someone's used the word insist, it kind of perks my ears. I'm like, okay, I better listen. He says, I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so to indulge every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught to, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness. And holiness. The way you have been living, which has been limiting you, 
is not the product of the person that God has called you to be, has created you to be. It is a product of the patterns of the world that you have copied almost unconsciously. But Paul, as he's writing to the church in Ephesus here in Ephesians, he gives a command. And I believe that that same command is given to us today as well. Not a suggestion, but a command. On the authority of God's word. Not the advice of somebody that you follow on social media or, or someone else that you, that you listen to, other voice that you listen to. It's on the authority of God's word, the words of our Father. Let's, let's, let's look at again what it says there in Ephesians. And we're going to just focus in on a few key verses. We're going to start in verse 22. I want us to pay attention to a couple of key words as we read through it. We'll read it together. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. We'll go to the next one. It says this, To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you'll leave that slide up for me. It says, We are created. The new self, the new creation, created to be like God in true righteousness, not self righteousness, but true righteousness and holiness. Created to be like God, not be God. That's something completely different. That's what some of us keep doing and trying to do in our lives when why we get so stressed out is that we keep trying to be God over our lives. We keep trying to decide, what can I do? What should I do? Uh, Who should I be? But see, we weren't, we were created to, not created to be God. But we were created to be in the image of God who made us. We were created to be new. The other word I wanted us to pay attention to as we were reading through there that you probably saw up there was the word corrupted. But we are being corrupted by the patterns of the world. And when our minds have been corrupted over time and and we have these patterns of of speaking and and these patterns of, of thinking, we have that over time, this corruption, and we have this patterns of thinking, this patterns of speaking. This is what happens. We begin to identify with the issues that we struggle with more than the image of God that we were created in. I'll say that again. When we do that, when we have this patterns of thinking, this patterns of speaking, we begin to identify, we begin to define ourselves with the issues that we're dealing with more than the image of God who we are created in. So now we just, when we mess up and we sin and we miss the mark, we say, well, that's just me. That's just who I am. But it isn't. About a week ago, I was spending some time 
with God in prayer and, and just spending some time alone with him. And, and during that time, I just I, I spent a lot of time talking to him and I spent a lot of time praying. I spent some time in worship and I spent some time being silent. For those of you that know me, you know that that was really hard. It's really hard for me to be silent and just kind of sit there in that. But I did that. And at the end of that time, I just kind of took this breath and I was like, and I felt so refreshed. I, I, I just, I felt like I, that God had talked to me in a way that he hadn't in a really long time. And I, and I just, I just kind of sat there and I was like, wow, God, you are really speaking to me today. And he said, I've never stopped speaking. You just stop listening. Just kind of hit me like a brick. And I was like, wow. Because, you see, I can sometimes be the kind of person who, who is really good at talking, but not so good at listening. It's a confession. Some of you, I may have had a conversation with some of you before, and while you were talking to me, instead of listening to you, I was already thinking about what I was going to say to you next. But no worries, you're in good company. Because, unfortunately, sometimes I do that with God too. Sometimes I'm really good at talking to God and praying to Him and, and telling Him all the things that I want, all the things that I need, or praying for other people, or spending time just, just talking and talking and talking to God. But sometimes I just don't spend the time Listening for his voice and listening for his words. Another thing that God said to me that morning was this. He said, how can you take captive thoughts and replace them with my truth, my voice, my word, my thoughts, my definition, when you aren't spending enough time in my word?" And when you aren't spending enough time listening for my voice, you spend so much time listening to other voices, other opinions, other definitions. So it's, of course, it's easy to hear them. Of course, it's easy to remember those voices. Of course, it's easy to identify with them. Because that's what you're listening to most. Could those words that God spoke to me that morning, could those words be for you today too? Are you spending time looking everywhere else but here for the definition of who you are? Are you listening to His voice? Or are you listening to voice after voice, after voice, after voice, including your own, but not actually taking time daily to listen for His voice? Are you putting on the same dirty self every day and just saying, well, that's who I am? Today, I want to leave us with three action steps that we need to be taking 
as we leave here. And hopefully that we will take these three daily action steps. And the first one is read his word. And I'm not just talking about a checklist, right? Because a lot of us right now, we're, we're in the middle, especially this time of year, we pick up a reading plan and we, we, started, we start doing really good with this reading plan and we're reading through God's word. I'm doing that as well. And I'm not just talking about that, which is awesome. I love the fact that we're doing reading plan together as a, as a church body. Maybe you're doing it together with your family. But I'm not just talking about going through that as a checklist and saying, okay, well, I read God's word today, check. No, I'm talking about actually spending time in prayer and study and actually spending time chewing on his word, obeying it, and actually applying it to our lives. That's what I mean when read his word every day and apply it to your life. I promise you, if you get up in the morning and you read his word, there's going to be a there's going to be a part in your day where you're going to be able to apply what you read. Second thing is listen for his voice. Maybe you're like me and silence is maddening or silence is like, just puts like you in the shakes and gives you fear because like to sit in silence is like, oh, this is crazy. Maybe that's how you are like it is for me. But here's the one thing I know. God is speaking to you. The question is, are you listening to him? Are you listening to him? Are you listening for his voice? Are you doing it daily? The last thing, the third thing that we need to do is daily is this, to take off your old self and to put on the new self. Maybe you're here today and and you would say, yeah, you make it sound so easy, but you don't know just how messed up my old self is. You don't know me. You don't know the me that no one sees in public. Pastor, you thought your morning self was bad, but you don't know the things that I say when no one else is around. You don't know my thoughts. You don't know me. What I would say to you is you're right. I don't, but he does. Your father loves you. Your father knows you. He says in his word, he says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Think about that for a second. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he says, I knew you. And if we're going to be a new creation, if we're going to be the new you, it has to start by being in the one who knew you. Your father knows every little detail about your life. Every single detail. There's not one thing that is hidden from him. He knows every single thing, every single thought you have. And guess what? He still loves you. He still chose to send his only son, Jesus, to die for you so that you can be reconciled with him and be forgiven. We're going to read back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. But we're going to read past 17 this time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you're here this morning and you've never taken that first step towards Jesus and you're wondering, how do I, how do I become reconciled to God? How do I become this new creation that you keep talking about? Well, it's actually pretty simple. I'm going to pray. I would ask that everyone would pray with me and that you would bow your heads and close your eyes as we begin to pray to him. I'm going to say a prayer of us. And if you want to say this prayer, you can say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. But I want you to, us to pray together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're, we're so thankful for your word today. God, we're thankful for the fact that you love us so much that you would send your only son, Jesus, to die so that we can be reconciled to you, not counting our sins against us, but you who were not sin became sin so that we can have reconciliation in you, Jesus. And so, Jesus, we come to you and we say, we're sorry. We ask that you would forgive us for our sin. We ask that you would forgive us for constantly just keeping this old self on and continuing to put it on day after day after day and thinking that's who we are. But God, we're thankful that this morning you're showing us that that's not who we are. That's not who you created us to be. That your definition, God, says that we are new creations in you, Jesus, because of what you did for us. God, we know that your word says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us are exempt. So God, we ask for forgiveness. Forgive us today, God. God, we ask that you would help us to be reconciled to you. God, we make you the Lord of our life today. God, we ask that you would help us to serve you better tomorrow than we did today. We would continue to take those next steps towards you that that when we wake up tomorrow, we would put out the old self, put on the new self. We would say, God, let me follow you better today than I did yesterday. And then the next day we'll do the same thing. We'd wake up, put off the old self, put on the new self and say, God, let me follow you. Let me grow closer to you more today than I did yesterday. God, we ask that you would help us to do that. God, we're thankful that you saved us. We're thankful that you reconciled us to you. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Your sin doesn't define you. Your sickness, your condition, it doesn't define you. I know some of you, maybe you've been sick for so long or having the same condition for so long that it feels like that's who you are, but that's not who you are. That doesn't define you. Maybe you've been stuck in the same sin since you were young and you're like, that's become who I am, but that doesn't define you. Your depression and your anxiety doesn't define you. Your emotions don't define you. Your addiction doesn't define you. Your unbelief doesn't define you. Your faults don't define you. Your father defines you. Your father defines you. You are his child. You are chosen by him. You are who your father says you are. We're going to sing one more song and I would ask that that you wouldn't just check out and say, okay, I'm getting ready for lunch. I'm doing whatever. I want you to just focus in for just a few more minutes. And I ask that during this song, as the band sings, that you would respond to God today. And whatever that might mean for you and how you need to respond to God, that's up to you and Him. Maybe for you that response means just raising your hands in a sign of surrender and singing these lyrics out to Him. Maybe for you it might mean kneeling right where you are. Maybe for you it might mean something even more uncomfortable that maybe you've never done before or maybe you feel like God's calling you to come forward and maybe kneel at the altar or stand at the altar, raise your hands and maybe as a sign of saying, I'm taking off my old self, I'm leaving it here today and I'm walking out with my new self. But whatever that might be, whatever your response is to God today, I ask that you would just do it. Respond today as we sing this song. Respond to him. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started plan on our mobile app or our website, harvestsprings.com. The Getting Started plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.